the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, it's time for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We look forward to our visits with you every weekend right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, centered in Orlando, Florida. Once again, Alan Dempsey does the engineering, does it so well. Andrew Herdaliska is our producer. And Edward Moody Jr., Dr. Moody, uh, joins us here in the first segment. Uh, he is a professor of counselor education at North Carolina Central University, an author And his latest book is out, Surviving Culture, When Character and Your World Collide. Ed, great to talk to you, and thanks for joining me. Oh, it's so good. Thank you for having me on today, Pat. Surviving Culture, When Character and Your World Collide. What's your message here? What are you driving at? Well, we're trying to help families prepare their kids for this culture that we're in. It seems like so many of the folks that uh, we know, actors and actresses, we think about like Katy Perry, a musician, who grew up in the faith and uh, seemed to be walking away from it and actually rejecting it. So what we're trying to talk about in this book is how you can rear children that will follow the Lord in this difficult culture we're in, not just uh, survive it, but actually grow up and to be kids that would have an impact upon it. And we take the story of Daniel, and, and we refer to them as Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Folks usually think of them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we talk about their story and how it's so similar to what we face today. And so if we've got parents that uh, rear their children to survive in Babylon, then we can certainly help our children survive in the United States. And that's, that's really the thrust of the book. Eddie, you raise five important questions uh, in your book. The first one is, are they ready? Yeah. What can you tell us there? Well, we're wanting our parents to think about preparing their kids for what you might think of as the worst day of their lives. When you think about Daniel, his parents had to have prepared him for the fall of Judah. Their lives were probably taken during that particular point. He ends up, as the other fellows do, taken off to Babylon. There's a God on every corner, and their faith is constantly attacked. And so they had to survive. They had to be ready for that. So what we talk about in the book is, As a parent, what is it that I need to try to instill in my child to try to teach them, to try to help them as they form their identity? And I'm I'm not just trying to be their friend. I'm not just trying to have a good time, though that's part of it is having a good time as a parent and a child. But I'm trying to prepare them for the difficult things that are coming. I suspect uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishon, Azariah's parents knew Judah would likely fall. And so they tried to teach their kids how they would deal with uh, folks promoting other gods and people attacking their character and identity. 
So what we want our parents to do is teach their kids how to survive when folks attack the the biblical definition of uh, sexuality and marriage and what it's supposed to be. And when their peers may come with various substances, we want our kids to be prepared to make the right decisions. And we see in the book of Daniel where Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. So that means he must have known Leviticus 11 and some of the ceremonial teaching. He was unwilling to go along and just kind of get along. And we want our kids to be the same way. If they engage in uh, what the culture teaches them today, they'll actually be a victim of it. We want them to survive it and then get into a position where they can influence their peers towards the Lord and others towards the Lord as well. And we see that in the story of Daniel, and I think we can see it in the lives of many of our kids today as well. Now, here's the second question. Uh, Do they have substance? Yes, yes. Image over substance. That's what we hear, right? And uh, whatever one's perception is, it's the real reality. But when we see trouble come, we see people look for folks of substance. And the story of Daniel, and Daniel 2, when those fellows, uh, the magicians and enchanters and such, they put on a great show, but they could not tell the king what he had dreamed, and he got pretty tired of them really quick. And so one of the things we want our kids to understand is you got to have some substance, whether that's character and that's part of it, but you've also got to know some things and be able to do some things And just think about what it is that we really want in a crisis. You think about a guy like Captain Scully who flew a plane out of LaGuardia and was able to land it on the Hudson. He was actually headed down to Charlotte, and the man had prepared himself uh, all through his life, really, for that particular day. And people didn't care how cool he was. People didn't care, you know, if he had the slang down. They wanted a man that could land a plane on the Hudson that day. And so you see when trouble happens, people look for substance. And so we want to teach our kids to look at the way God has made them to be, what kinds of talents, what kind of aptitude they have, spend a lot of time developing that and realizing, hey, I may be studying algebra and it may not seem very spiritual, but it really is if it puts me into a position where I can help others out and where folks can see a person that's a believer Uh, excelling in a particular area of life. And so we really want our kids to understand when it really gets down to it, it's what you've done in your private time and how you've prepared yourself and being a real person of substance. That's what really matters when you get down to it. Dr. Edward Moody is our guest uh, from uh, his office at North Carolina Central University. We're talking about his new book, Surviving Culture. Uh, The third question, Eddie, is... Do they know how to be themselves? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, you mentioned the college there. And so a lot of times we'll see students come in and you say, okay, so what kind of career are you looking at going into? Well, my parents said I should do this. Well, my friends said I should do this, or I think it would be cool to do this. And so they haven't often thought about, hey, what do I like to do? What is it that I'm good at? And you know, fairly over the last few years, Malcolm Gladwell has kind of popularized the 10,000-hour rule. It's, it's, there's good research for that. And so really what a person must do is figure out what they were made to be. You know, Psalm 139 talks about us being fearfully and wonderfully made. So what did God make me 
to be? What am I made to do? What do I like doing? And so what we, if we're going to get good at something, we've got to spend a lot of time at it, and it needs to be something we like to do. So in the book, we talk a lot about what kind of personality style does a kid gravitate toward, what kind of aptitude do they have, what kind of interest do they have, what, what are the hobbies and so forth. And that's really where God's going to probably use them, uh, where they need to be uh, to, to thrive in the culture and to have an impact on it. So we, we really push that a lot in the book, Surviving Culture. Ed Moody is our guest. His book is called Surviving Culture. <clears throat> Three questions that we've lobbed at Dr. Moody so far. Are they ready? Referring to children. Do they have substance? <clears throat> Do they know how to be themselves? Here's the fourth one, Doc. Are they an investor? What, what does that mean? Well, you know, fairly recently, Adam Grant has talked a bit about givers and takers and matchers. And I, I love his work. And one of the things he says is people that just give, they lose. You know, people that just take, they lose. And he talks about how it's important to kind of find a match and I've got to be honest, when I first uh, started looking at some of his work, it came out, and um, I think the APA monitor did a little review of him, and I thought, hmm, he's saying givers lose, but you have to keep looking at what he's saying. And what he's saying is if you keep giving to people that just take, 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 and they do not seem to benefit from it, then you lose, and really other people would lose as well. And so as you look at that, I see in his work, Uh, Actually, I see the Proverbs coming out where it talks about being around the simple, being around scorners, or or actually says don't be around those folks. And so we've got a choice, or at least our kids do. Do they hang around people that are influencing them toward the Lord, or are they influencing them away? And so we want our kids to think really clearly about that. Is this person pulling me away from the Lord? Then perhaps we need to cut them off. I'll hold your thought there, uh, Doc. When we come back, I want you to continue it. Uh, Dr. Ed Moody is with us. We're talking about his book, Surviving Culture. You're listening to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, we do this show every weekend on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay with us. More with Dr. Moody right after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at GraceImpact.org. 530 Sunday on the new 94. Point nine FM and AM 950 WTLN. Attention all timeshare owners. Were you a victim of a high pressure or dishonest timeshare sales agent? Were you confused with what you were buying or didn't provide what you were promised? Do you feel that you overpaid for your timeshare, can't afford it, or do you simply not use it anymore and just want out? If you answered yes to any of these questions, we can help. We're Timeshare Compliance, and every day we help hundreds of timeshare victims protect their rights. Our team can legally terminate your timeshare agreement, ending the payments forever, saving you thousands. 
In some cases, we can even get you a refund of the fees you previously paid. But you must act now. Call 800-811-7670 or visit timesharecompliance.com for a free consultation. We can help you save thousands, but only if you call 800-811-7670 or visit timesharecompliance.com for an absolutely free consultation. That's 800-811-7670 or timesharecompliance.com. Hi, this is Trish Bain with the Hope and Inspiration Call each and every Sunday night right here on WTLN. I've been inspired for 18 years with some amazing stories that I would now like to share with you each and every Sunday night. I've been educating people from around the world for the past 18 years on the Iridoid Rich Noni, the original one. I invite you to join us right here at 830, and I want to thank you in advance. See you then. Don't miss Trish Bain and Friends with Hope and Inspiration. Sunday nights at 830 right here on the new 90. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Our guest is Dr. Edward Moody. Uh, He is a professor at North Carolina Central University. We're talking about his new book, Surviving Culture. Uh, Eddie, I want you to pick up that uh, question. Are they an investor? We... uh, Broke it off right in the middle, but please, please finish that thought for us. Well, Pat, one of, what we're stressing there is that they look for people they can really pour their lives into. And so if they're pouring their lives into someone that's kind of pulling them down or not really using it, then it's kind of like Jesus says, you go and you present the gospel at this particular town, they don't listen to you, uh, shake the dust off and move to the next one. And so we're trying to help our kids to see who is it that we invest in. And we do think about the example of Paul and Barnabas, where Barnabas invested his life into uh, into Paul, and Paul ends up uh, excelling and really going on and doing great things for the Lord. We're trying to use that same approach, kids to be thinking about how they can invest in their peers and in younger people and even siblings, and then we want them to practice that, loving their neighbors their se- themselves all through their lives. Now, <clears throat> I want you to answer the fifth discussion point in your book. Are they an influencer? Yeah, yeah. So it looks like we've got a choice as we go through our lives. We can be people that are uh, influenced by others, or we can be people that have an impact and in, and change this world of ours toward the Lord. So we won't all of our kids and really all Christians to understand you can't just sleepwalk through life. You've got to look at the opportunities the Lord has given you. You've got to realize you've been put in particular places for particular times and to spend your time trying to influence the culture and the people around you to follow the Lord. And I feel like a lot of our folks really don't get this. We have a us versus them attitude often. And if you look back in the story of Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, it would have been easy for them to do that. Nebuchadnezzar had uh, killed the sons of their king and had blinded that king and had burned their temple and their town. And if you were doing a Hollywood movie about it, uh, you would be, if you're Daniel, you're trying to kill Nebuchadnezzar. But instead, you see in Daniel 2, he's always sowing seeds about the truth. He says three times there's a God in heaven. You see also in uh, Daniel 3, 
that Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah witnessed to uh, Nebuchadnezzar after he cast them into the fiery furnace. And then in Daniel 4, you see Daniel really present the truth to Nebuchadnezzar. If you'll break off from your sins and repent, then perhaps you know the Lord would relent of what he's about to do to you. So even the mean or enemies in their lives, you see these guys trying to influence them toward the Lord. And so we really want our kids to think, you know, we're, we've got to have a complete view of this. One day we'll stand before the Lord and we'll give an account for how we've lived our lives and what we've done when we've interacted with others. The Lord's talked to us about the kinds of people we should be around and be investing in. He's talked to us about how we should be uh, treating our enemies. And so what we want to do is to always remember he's put us here to be an influencer and not to be influenced by others. So we don't just go along. We're always thinking, what would the Lord have me do with this teacher, this coworker, this employer? And we're trying to point them toward the Lord. And you truly see that happening there uh, in the book of Daniel and the, the way they live their lives. What do you most admire about Daniel? Well, I admire his willingness to not just quit. You know, he kept going at it. Uh, I, I also admire the way that he... He just he didn't seem to give up with, like, you see Jeremiah saying, you're going to come back after 70 years. He probably never went home again. But I admire the way that he was able to live a godly life, keep working, keep serving, even when he was kind of thrown to the side, as you see in Daniel 5 with uh, uh, Bel- Belshazzar basically has him somewhere else and brings him in when it's too late. Daniel's still writing about the dreams the Lord's giving him. And it's interesting, all these different folks argue about where Daniel is buried at. And so it shows you that a guy that was a slave, a guy that uh, uh, was not anyone of any power in his in that particular kingdom, had quite an influence upon him. So that's that's why I really admire he would not quit. He was tenacious. And then he would he kept on going, you know, and impacting people. Uh, impacting a culture, it looks to me like, toward the Lord and being a great model to the exiles from Judah that found themselves there in Babylon. Dr. Eddie Moody is with us. We're talking about his book, Surviving Culture. Why do uh, so many young people say they were bored, Eddie? Oh, well, I think part of it is we've got too many things out there. You go to a restaurant, there are televisions here, televisions there. Uh, We've got our smartphones and uh, we can constantly constantly be looking at that, and actually, I'm kind of frightened about that, Pat, because it tells me. Well, I'll just say there's a lot of research that indicates bored being bored is dangerous. There's research that people that are bored die younger than people that are not, and it's also it bothers me as a Christian because it means they're probably not being a good steward of their time. So, one of the things we talk about in surviving culture is you'll give an account for your time and, and how you spend it and what you've done. So that's part of why we stress figuring out what it is you like to do and, and being engaged in that. And we want to get them away from, from being bored and realizing God's called us to redeem the time and to take the time and use it, uh, whatever situation we may find ourselves in. Why do you think there's an increased sense of rudeness in our culture? Well, uh, you think about reality television for a little bit, 
Um, and part of what I think has happened is people have lost their filter. And we've put on a pedestal those who shock us a bit, those who get our attention. And it's really seeped all the way through, all the way down into our young people, what they put on social media, often without thinking. So part of what we we want to do as a parent is we want to help our kids understand if you tweet something or you put something out there on Instagram, uh, it it goes and, and it stays. And really, if people want to find it, they probably can find it. And you've got to be really careful about the kinds of things you do, the kinds of things you say, because it can be detrimental to your career. But more importantly, it can be detrimental to the faith. And so one of the things that kind of bothers me a bit is some of the things that people that say they're Christians will even put out there on social media um, about others and politics and so forth. And what we've got to remember is the gospel is offensive enough without us kind of becoming offensive ourselves. And so we've got to be able to deal with and work with people that are different than we are, that think different and act different, um, and try to and try to do as much as we can to be as kind as we can. And the scripture talks quite a bit about that because that's one of the ways that we can actually have an impact or an influence on those that are around us. Eddie, what's your advice to parents who have children that are disrespectful, rebellious, or even prodigals? Yeah, well, first I'd say don't give up. But I would also say to all parents, think about it like this. You either pay on the front end or you pay on the back end. And so if I can get my hands on young parents, and I often am able to do that in the church, I stress spend as much time with your kids as you can teaching them to respect authority, meaning teachers, law enforcement, even politicians, you know, teaching them about what the Scripture talks about there. And then as we go along, so you do find yourself with a teenager that's rebellious, you still hold them accountable. As long as they're living in your home or getting any kind of resources from you, you've got some strings attached, you've got some ways that you can influence them, hold them accountable. Pray for them every day, all the time. Pray for whom the people they hang around with, the people they might marry one day, um, and and just be kind of calm about it. Don't take it so personal, the kinds of things that they say to you that are very hurtful and maybe even hateful. Again, hold them accountable, but realize that one day they may see the truth that you've given them, and they may have a lot of respect for that. I used to work in juvenile prisons, and a lot of the kids I had worked with had said some really bad things to their parents. And it was interesting as you would see them kind of go along and kind of get calmed down in that particular setting. They would begin to understand a bit about what their parents were trying to do, what they were trying to teach them. And it was often hard for them to tell their parents, you know, I really do respect you, or I really do appreciate what you've done. But sometimes in a confidential way, they would They would let people like me know that. So I think it's important to realize they may say things and they may be doing some things now, but just like the prodigal son, uh, you want to be ready to welcome them back in uh, should they repent, should they they want to come back and even realize they may come back. You may not see it, but as long as you have taught them and as long as you're trying to continue to model uh, grace before them and create a good environment where they could repent and follow the Lord, 
you're in some pretty good shape as far as that goes. Dr. Edward Moody is our guest. We're talking about his book. It's a good one, folks. It's called Surviving Culture. Eddie, I want you to uh, take a few minutes to talk about the importance of good friendships. Oh, boy. Well, there's some research that indicates we become like our friends. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons the Proverbs talks about so much, you know, being away from the simple, being away from the scoffers. And so I think we, by the way, there is a, a kid's version of this book. And in that, we also stress, think about the people you're with and think about what kind of time you're spending with them. But as a parent, I try to enforce that as well. So the kids that I invite over for sleepovers, I'm looking at their manners, I'm looking at their parents and so forth, because I realize my kid's going to pick up the same mannerisms as that kid, and I want to think, do I want them going in that direction, or are they leading them away? So just in some of the research, we know that if a kid has a friend, if that friend's grades go down, you can look at it six months out, and and the kids themselves, their grades go down. So they influence each other in areas of grades and areas of attitude and, and even spiritually what's important to them. And one of some of my favorite movies are like uh, the Narnia books that uh, C.S. Lewis wrote and uh, The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit that J.R.R. Tolkien wrote. And as I look at the movies or read those books, I can see... I feel like I can see a bit of their influence upon each other. And so when you think about, like, um, when you think about the Inklings, Charles Williams and all, you begin to realize they truly did impact each other, and in turn, they had an impact upon their nation. And you and I could probably say ours as well. You know, they helped a lot of folks uh, maybe find the Lord and helped strengthen a lot of Christians. So we want to really stress that. You don't need a lot of friends. It was Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, but you do need a good one. And and in the secular setting, it feels like if you just got one friend, somebody that's got your back. In many ways, you know, I I personally feel like okay, I'm okay. I'll be all right now, as long as I've got someone else that uh, that's with me and that follows the Lord. Eddie, I'm fascinated with your life and career. You not only teach at North Carolina Central University, uh, you uh, also pastor Tippett's Chapel in Clayton, North Carolina. Uh, How do you make all this work? Well, sometimes it's hard. So I'm about to do a funeral in a little bit, and then I'll run back to the university and then run back for a Bible study tonight. So this is a bad day to ask that question. But I will say the things kind of go together. And I've tried to make them work together. So one of the things I teach or actually used to teach more of is counselor education. You do a lot of counseling when you're a pastor. And some of the writing that I've done in the university setting kind of helped me, like, write this book and helps me, like, with writing sermons and so forth. But for me, like, as a pastor, I'm getting a lot of things about what the secular culture is about in the university setting. Dr. Eddie Moody has been our guest talking about his new book, Surviving Culture. Uh, We're back for more folks here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. We do this show every weekend and always delighted when you join us.
And our thought, our thanks to Dr. Edward Moody Jr. We'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Dad was never afraid of taking chances, except when it came to his family. So when he died, he had a life insurance policy that took care of us. Things were different without Dad, but he'd made sure we had everything we needed. That's why when I started a family, I called SelectQuote. You tell them about your life, your health, your financial situation. They find you multiple life insurance quotes from the highly rated companies they represent. I'm 40 and in excellent health. SelectQuote got me a half million dollar policy for under $24 a month. Peace of mind that your family is protected. That's what it's all about. Dad taught me that. Call Select Quote now at 1 800 651 7889. That's 1 800 651 7889. Or get started at SelectQuote.com. 1 800 651 7889. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Your premium could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. If you or someone you love suffers from drug addiction, now is the time to utilize your private health insurance PPO plan. If eligible, receive up to $30,000 or more in substance abuse benefits with low or no out-of-pocket cost. We are the National Treatment Network, the premier drug and alcohol treatment referral service operating 24-7. We help connect you with facilities nationwide that accepts PPO private health insurance for substance abuse. If you have PPO substance abuse coverage and you need immediate admittance to a medical detox or residential rehab treatment center, call us now. Call our live referral helpline today. The call is free. This program is not available to Medicare or Medicaid customers. Call 877-247-1585. 877-247-1585. That's 877-247-1585. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950. WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Dr. Edward Moody, our guest in that first half hour, talking about his book, Surviving Culture. Uh, Amy Lynn Nelson is with us from Birmingham, Alabama, crisis pregnancy counselor and director for Save a Life, and uh, author of Behind the Mask, A Testimony of Hope. Amy, nice to talk to you. How you doing? I'm doing great, Pat. Thank you for having me on your show. So what does this title mean, Behind the Mask, A Testimony of Hope? Can you explain that to us? I can. Um, basically, I, I had an abortion. I had a lot of negative things happen when I was a teenager. Um, I was involved in a date rape type situation when I was 16 that led to um, sexual promiscuity. And then I found myself um, pregnant by the time I was 18, and I did end up having an abortion. And... After that, you know, I, I, I found myself putting on a mask because I wanted to portray to the world that I was a good person, whereas on the inside, I felt um, a lot of turmoil, it was a lot of negative junk, and I didn't feel like a good person. And that's why I felt like I needed to create the mask so I could hide myself from people. Your first chapter is called What's Going On? It's a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that about? What's happening here? Well, what happened is um, I was doing sexual abstinence presentations in the public schools, and 
one of the things that we do is we we have a construction paper heart and we we you know hold it up to the kids and we tell them that that is symbolic of their heart before they get involved in any kind of sexual activity and um you know we know it as Christians that when a man and woman come together in a sexual relationship the two shall become one flesh but we can't talk about God in school so we just say there is a bond that takes place when the two people come together in a sexual relationship and when that bond is broken then part of your heart is torn off and forever a part of that other person and I had been you know sharing that and you know we tear off parts of the heart and let them fall to the floor and we held out a fragmented heart and asked the kids is this the kind of heart you want to give to your mate when you get married and they're all like no 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 and you know one day I was in the middle of a class and I held out that heart, and God said, this is your heart. And so I feel like God can do anything. So I began praying and asking God to heal my heart. So within two weeks, I was sitting at a traffic light, and all of a sudden I received a flashback of the abortion that I had when I was 18 years old. And I was laying there on the table, feeling them pulling that baby out of me, and I lost it. Now, see, I had... From the time I became a Christian when I was 25 years old up until, um, you know, the day I, well, that's a different part of the story, but um, the devil taunted me with thoughts of killing my child on a daily basis. So I was constantly asking God for forgiveness. And, you know, but I had not actually thought about that day lying there on that table and feeling them pulling that child out of me. Well, I lost it. I went to talk with one of the ladies at the sexual abstinence program, that one of our coordinators, and she just held me in her arms while I wept over the loss of my child. And and that's why, you know, it's, what's going on? I, I had no idea what God was doing in my life, but that was the beginning of him healing my heart. Then we move to the second uh, chapter, second type topic, another question, <laughs> what happened? Yeah. That's that's the uh, title of the chapter. Yeah. Well, what I wanted to do in my book is I wanted to be very transparent and let the readers know what all happened in my life leading up to my decision to have an abortion. And that is, you know, I was very, I was in a, very protected environment in my home. My dad and mom, you know, whenever something bad came on the TV, it was in, you know, cuss words or any kind of sexual innuendos. You know, dad said, turn that trash off my TV. I'm not watching that. So, you know, the channel was changed. and But we, we were very protected. And, and I just wanted to let the readers know that even though you may feel like there's nothing bad that can happen to your child, it can happen. And, you know, children are hearing about sex as early as middle school. And it's sad It's sad that that's happening, but that's the truth. And so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to let them know that. My guest <clears throat> from Birmingham, Alabama, Amy Lynn Nelson, <clears throat> we're talking about her book, Behind the Mask. Uh, third topic, Amy, mm-hmm. uh, mask in place, you call that chapter. What What does that mean? Well, that's that's after the abortion had happened, and my the mask that I had put on to hide myself was very firmly in place. I was not letting anybody into my life. I was very, very cold. I just kind of held everybody at an arm's distance. 
And, you know, when you go through bad things in your life, the people that you love are the people that you should go running to. But instead, I was pushing those people away and hanging out with the wrong crowd, the wrong people, and I wouldn't let anybody with a positive influence into my life. Now I want you to talk about getting to know God. That's the next step here. Yeah. Well, I had picked up a book of um, the names of God, and I wanted to, when, when I began going through the abortion recovery ministry, my, the abstinence coordinator that held me in my arms, or held me in her arms while I cried over the loss of my child, she's the one who recommended that I go, go to an abortion recovery group. And um, I did. I didn't want to. I don't think anybody wants to do something like that, but I did. And and I was, I was honestly, I was afraid. I, w- I was single. I was afraid, and and I just felt like I needed to know God more so I could make it through those the the ten week period of healing through that abortion recovery group, and. And as I got to know God better, I realized that, you know, he was, he's El Roy. He, he, he saw every single moment of my life. Gosh, I'm crying. I'm tearing up. <laughs> but I, I just, I love God so much. Mm. And I, I, I just know the healing that he brought forth into my life. And I just want to share that with other people. But, but I needed to know that he was my Abba Father. And that he was going to be there with me through that horrible time in my life. Amy Lynn Nelson is with us from Birmingham, Alabama. We're talking about her book, and it's called Behind the Mask. Uh, It's absolutely uh, transparent. This lady has just uh, ripped the mask off and told her story. And it's uh, obviously going to have a powerful impact on many uh, Amy, let's, I want you to talk about <clears throat> uh, topic number five. You call it the battle within. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? That's about spiritual warfare because, you know, the devil, he is the author of sin. And when you go have an abortion, you have just opened up a huge foothold for him to come into your life and raise all kinds of torment and negative stuff. And so I wanted to... I want the reader to know that there's a spiritual battle going on. It's not just you and the father of the child, but it's the devil. He, the devil wants to kill every child that he can mm. because our, our, the children that we have, God gives us, God opens and closes each womb, and we're not pregnant by accident. And the devil will try to do anything he can to thwart God's plans and purposes for our lives. And so the battle within is, you know, just understanding spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God. What does the fragmented heart mean? That's your next topic. That goes back to what I was talking about earlier about the the heart and when we were in the um, the classroom and sharing that heart scenario with the kids and having that fragmented heart and and when I prayed and asked God to heal my heart, I knew that it was going to be a process because I had had so much negative stuff happen when I was a teenager. Pretty much from the time I was 16 years old until I was 25, my life was a nightmare from hell. It really was. And then I became a Christian, and and God began, 
doing a healing work in my heart. But, um, you know, one of the things that we did in the class, in the abortion recovery class, is they brought out two trees on a poster board. One tree had negative roots of um, abuse and shame and guilt and then all the fruits that it represents, fear, bitterness, anger, um, you know, the list goes on. And then they brought out a a tree that has roots of love and acceptance and worth, and and then it had the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And I knew that I wanted to have those good roots in my life, but there was a lot, a a huge tornado was just going to have to come through into my life and just rip out those bad roots and allow God to put those good roots in my life. Keeping God in a box. Mm Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Well, before I begin going through the abortion recovery group, I had put God in a box feeling like there was nothing else he could do in my life because he had done so much healing in my heart already. And as I got into the abortion recovery group and saw all the healing there was left to do, I decided to take God out of the box and allow him to really do a work in me. And I'm so glad I did. What did he do? What was that like? Well, um, one of the things that that we um, looked at is they gave us an embryonic development chart. And I was 16 weeks and five days along when I had my abortion. And in looking at this chart, I saw that my child had a head. It had arms, legs, fingers, toes. It had a heart. And I was crushed. And then I got mad because when I went to Planned Parenthood to have the abortion done, they lied to me and told me that what was inside me was just a mass of tissue. They said it doesn't become a baby until the end of the pregnancy. And, I, it, you know, you just have a mass of tissue inside you. And once you have the abortion, everything will be back to normal tomorrow. Well, I now know that that was a lie. So after I got over being devastated by seeing that I had killed my child, then I was mad because I was lied to. And then, you know, I I couldn't actually have the abortion done at Planned Parenthood that day because I was too far along. They recommended me to a local hospital. So when I went down there, they did an ultrasound on me. Of course, I didn't know what an ultrasound was at that time, but They did an ultrasound on me, and I asked the doctors. There were two doctors standing there looking at the screen, and I asked to see what they were looking at, and they turned the monitor further from my view, so there's no way I could see. And, you know, I wonder if that day I had been able to see what they were looking at on that screen, would I have actually gone through with the abortion? I don't think so. Tell me this, Amy. Were you all alone with this? Where was your your parents? What were they going through did they know all about this well i was afraid to tell them i was and i um you know because we were raised in such a protective environment um i was really afraid to tell them and my my friends suggested that i not tell them and i wish i had because if i had told my parents i would have never gone through something like that so you were doing this all alone, basically. What about the young man involved? Did he disappear, or what was he doing? Yeah, he did. He did. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. He told me, he said, he said, um, 
I don't think the baby's mine. And I said, who do you think it is? He said, well, I would make a list, but I don't want to hurt your feelings. Mm. And, you know, and I, I didn't give him any reason to make a comment like that. But I've heard a lot of women that I've had the opportunity to minister to through the years say that. And, and I think it's just an out. How hard, Amy, was it for you to absolutely open your life up like this through this book, even through this discussion we're having? It was very hard. Um, my tears are filtered through the pages of the book. <laughs> mm. When I, I asked a friend of mine to help me, and she said, what, what do you want to accomplish with the book? And I said, I want to help other women who are struggling, who have, um, who have had an abortion, who need healing. I want them to see the journey that I went through. And also, too, I want teenagers and, and young college-age students, they're, they're in the 40 to 50% abortion rate. I want them to get their hands on this book and see what someone goes through after they have an abortion. Amy Lynn Nelson is our guest, the book Behind the Mask. More after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, right here on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Is looking good important to you? Then what you wear and how it looks on you means a lot. Let's face it. Whether you wear a suit, uniform, or dickies to work, you probably spend a great deal on your clothes and you want to keep them looking good as new. That's where Priceless Dry Cleaners comes in. You can trust the folks at Priceless Dry Cleaners. They've been keeping clothes like new in Central Florida for over 25 years. And from the same location, North Orlando Avenue in Winter Park, across from Trader Joe's. Short on time? Let's face it. Who isn't? Family-owned and operated, Priceless Dry Cleaners saves you time with free pickup and delivery from your home, shop, or office. If you want to keep your clothes looking newer, longer, then you need Priceless Dry Cleaners. 220 North Orlando Avenue, Winter Park, and in Altamont Springs at 851 State Road 436 in San Sebastian Square 2. Check out their business VIP club at pricelesscleaners.com, where groups with five or more members get 25% off dry cleaning. Priceless Dry Cleaners, because looking good and having a dry cleaner you know you can trust is important. Important to you. It's the 5th Annual Pastors, Wives, and Women in Ministry Tea and Brunch. Saturday morning, June 18th at the Sheridan North on Maitland Boulevard, just off I-4. Don't miss a wonderful morning of praise and worship. Our Pastors, Wives, and Women in Ministry Expo. Great food, a fashion show. And this year, we're pleased to welcome Dr. Lois Evans as our keynote speaker. Space is filling up fast, so you need to register right away. Go to WTLN.com. The 5th Annual Pastors, Wives, and Women in Ministry Tea and Brunch. Saturday, June 18th. Presented by the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And sponsored in part by Good Life 45. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Amy Lynn Nelson is with us. We're talking about her book, Behind the Mask, A Testimony of Hope. Uh, We've got three more uh, chapters here, Amy, and I want you to uh, 
uh, share with us. The eighth topic, preparing for battle, you call it. Uh, what's going on here? Well, they, one of the things that they told us to do at the beginning of the class is they wanted us to um, give our child a name. And they wanted us to, they told us that we were going to give our babies a name that we aborted. I thought that was weird. And they told us that we were going to have a memorial service to give honor, dignity, and respect to the children lost to abortion. I thought that was morbid, and I was never going back. And I think that the leaders sensed my apprehension regarding that, and so they called me the next day and encouraged me to, you know, do my homework and to come back. And so I did. And... As I was going through the class, I, I prayed, and, and if it's all right with you, I'm going to incorporate the next two chapters together. Sure, that's, that's called Forgiveness is a Choice, right? Yeah, Preparing for Battle and Forgiveness is a Choice. Um, I knew that going into this was going to be really hard, and I had been praying and praying for a name. I always felt in my heart that the child that I aborted was a little girl, and I had been praying for a name, and there was one day when... We um, did what we call Forgiveness Day, and we had the opportunity to um, really forgive the people associated with, um, you know, like the father of the child that I aborted and, you know, any, anybody else that may have been involved. And it was, it was very healing, and I, I was able to let go of a lot of hurt that day. And at the end of that day, God just dropped into my spirit the name Caitlin Marie, mm. and I just knew that, that was my child's name. And so I, I went home that afternoon, and I walked in, and there was just the most beautiful smell throughout my home. And I didn't really think anything about it until later in the week, I picked up a book of baby names, and the name Caitlin means purity or pure one, and the name Marie means myrrh or living fragrance. And I just kind of feel like that was God's way of letting me know that, you know, it's okay. It's okay. I've got this. I'm in control. Don't worry about it. And so, you know, I shared the name with the leaders of my group. And so the next week at the, the group session, they called us out one by one. And when they called me out, they, they handed me this little handkerchief doll wrapped in pink ribbons. And they said, Amy, we know that, you know, this doll will never replace Caitlin Marie, who is in heaven. But we want you to take this doll home. We want you to wrap it in blankets. We want you to rock it, love it, whatever you want to do. But we want you to bring it back to the memorial service next week. Well, I, I just boohooed because I realized that not only did I care that my baby was dead, but someone else did too. And so that week was so healing. I, I did take that little handkerchief doll home. I did wrap it in a blanket. I rocked it. I cried and cried and cried. I spent a lot of tears that week. And... God did a lot of healing in my heart. And then the memorial service the next week, I walked in and there was, uh, it, was, it was very beautiful. It wasn't anything morbid at all. It was very beautiful. It had little candles and stuff. And there was a candle with each child's name in front of it. And they were all unlit. And they said that, you know, when you know, we had the service, we had music and a, a, a message and when they said, you're ready, they said, we want you to come up here and and light a candle, a symbolic of bringing forth light into darkness. And they had a, a little basket there. And we, they, we, were, we put the little handkerchief dolls in the basket. And 
a lot of tears were shed that night, but it was very beautiful. And that was when I actually took my mask off and symbolically took my mask off and, and I laid it in the basket with my doll because I knew that God had healed my heart. And so up until I knew what sin was when I became a Christian, up until that night, the devil had taunted me every night with the thoughts of killing my child. And the next day I woke up and I had a spirit of peace that I have with me to this day. And I have victory in the name of Jesus. Amy Lynn Nelson is with us from Birmingham. Her book is called Behind the Mask. It's a powerful read, folks. Thank you. And Amy Lynn, I, I, you close your book with this chapter, Gift of Grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- tell us about that last piece of your book. Well, my friend Barbara, who led me to the Lord, she she told me she said one day you're gonna re- you're gonna realize that God is the love of your life, and mm-hmm. He will bring you the second love of your life, you know, the, a man who will um, be a part of your life. And I didn't really realize what she was talking about, about God being the love of my life. But after I went through this group, I knew him as mm. the love of my life. Mm-hmm. It was really beautiful. And he's been that way ever since, right? Yes. Amy Lynn. Sorry I'm so emotional. It's just, well, you should be. You yeah. should be. No, I'm glad we're having a good chat here. And uh, yeah. th- this book is powerful. I I had the same feeling when I was reading it. Thank you. Uh, what's your uh, word of counseling uh, to women who are either thinking about having an abortion or have had one? Uh, what do you say to them? Please take the first step. And call a local crisis pregnancy center mm-hmm. and ask them if they have an abortion recovery ministry. If they don't, they probably will, but if they don't, they'll be able to point you in the direction of one mm-hmm. and receive the healing. And don't allow the devil a foothold in your life another day. Allow God to heal you. And if you want a copy of this book, you can find it in any online bookstore, Amazon, anywhere. And um, I have a web page. It's Amy Behind the Mask, all one word, amybehindthemask.com. Or if you want to um, look, look me up on Facebook, um, Amy Lynn, L-Y-N-N-E dash pro-life. You can put a face with a name. Would love to hear from you if you have the opportunity to chat. How has the use of ultrasound changed the way women view the choice for life? I well, in Alabama, we require women to, um, we require abortion clinics to allow the woman to see an ultrasound, mm-hmm. and it has dramatically changed and reduced the amount of abortions that people have. Which is good news, obviously, right? Absolutely. And most churches, I know our church here in Orlando has a, pregnancy center you know they counsel young women and uh Uh and do everything they can to bring these children into the world so uh i I think that's happening at a lot of churches so i think so too and i'm I'm so glad i had one guy who read my book he 
he took it and um, gave it to, to a couple of his people, and they have started a ministry to unwed mothers in their church to help them along through their pregnancy. And, you know, if they want to go through with adoption or if they, you know, want to keep their child, that that's, you know, something that they minister to them. And I'm so glad for that. Do you think every woman who has had an abortion uh, suffers on the back end? Oh, yeah. They might not want to admit it, but yeah, they do. Because, you know, I think what happens is the biggest thing is guilt and grief. And, you know, when when, when a child is here on earth and let's say, um, heaven forbid, they get killed in a car accident or something, you know, people surround the family and love them and, you know, take care of them. Mm-hmm. But when abortion happens, that doesn't happen. And see, it's the, it's the same loss to God. God sees that as a loss. That's his child that has been killed. Mm-hmm. And nobody surrounds the person to love them and, and help them through the grief and everything. And so what happens what happens a lot of the times is the grief gets stuffed down into your heart and you just don't move forward with the full grieving process. And I think that through time that's what causes depression, um, a lot of anger, a lot of bitterness. And then once you have the opportunity to grieve the loss of your child, I think that that's what, you know, brings forth the healing and the peace and everything. Amy Lynn Nelson has been our guest. We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94. Point nine FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, I'm so glad you could join me here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, Dr. Eddie Moody was our guest in the first half hour uh, talking about his book, Surviving Culture, and then a very powerful chat with Amy Lynn Nelson. Uh, talking about her book, Behind the Mask. So we've had a good hour, and I'm so glad you could join us. Uh, Please visit my website. It's uh, patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my latest book is out. It's called Leadership Excellence. It's uh, in bookstores now, amazon.com, wonderful way to order books. And uh, in this book, I write about the seven sides, the seven qualities that it takes to be an outstanding leader. I think you'll enjoy the book. Uh, In the meantime, have a wonderful day in church tomorrow with your family and a terrific week ahead here in Central Florida. And we'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.